everybody, welcome to the podcast today. I'm Pastor Paul with the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. We have a, an amazing guest today, Barrett Carol Curtis, is one of my favorite TikTok creators. Of course, I've had several of my favorite TikTok creators recently, but this guy's amazing. He literally came out of a family cult and has rebuilt a faith that's amazing knowing what he's been through in his life. And when you hear his story and then you hear his brilliance and intelligence and input into how to walk out this deconstruction journey, you're not going to want to miss this podcast. Let me start, though, first with our WTH from the Nonpartisan Evangelical. That is our week that happened, cultural events with a biblical perspective, because we like to create unique conversations about God here on the podcast. First is this, QAnon. Why in the world have Americans followed QAnon? I've been asking this question forever, but after a new documentary has come out on HBO, it's what I always su suspected it would be. I have a question. You're going through a possible list of who Q might be. That's right. <laughs> You're on the list. Well, let's continue then. Dangerous ideas. That's a scary idea. QAnon is some average Joe guy who lives in his dad's basement and started a porn channel on the internet. Yes, 8chan was started as a place for pornographers and pedophiles to peddle their stuff. And now it's the home of QAnon, which is the driver of evangelical political thought these days. The Bible told us that there would be strange myths that would salve the people's itchy ears as history went along. Clearly, we are seeing that in our culture today with the Christian following of QAnon. And after last week, when Sidney Powell, the attorney for Donald Trump and one of the major purveyors of the fraudulent fraud claims from the election, came out in her legal brief and said no reasonable person would believe the story she was telling about the election. Thank you while my dog joins the podcast. Christians, it's time to look in the mirror and say, did we get it wrong? Did the leaven of the Pharisees get us? Check it out. Issue number two at WTH. For the first time in history, we had a survey come out that told us the majority of Americans are not regular church attenders. That's right. Only 47% of Americans now claim to be regular church attendees. First time in history that less than half of Americans say, yep, we're affiliated with the church. And the question is why? Christians will now blame the victim and say, oh, it's because we're becoming a godless nation. But the fact is, our oppressive religion, our purity culture teaching, our end times teaching, our following of stuff like QAnon and right-wing politics are driving people from the church. And we've now gotten to a place where less than half of Americans attend church regularly. But you wanna know what I think about that? I'm not so sure God's quite as upset about that as we are because I'm not sure the church as we know it today was ever God's intention in the first place. I'm pretty sure the Christian religion or particularly the staunch evangelical religion as we know it today was never God's intention. Just like it says in Hebrews that the religion of Jesus day was never God's intention either. So maybe let's not panic that people are not going to church and say, 
what is happening in this spiritual moment that we can come in with something new and connect people to God. It may not be a time for panic. It may be a time to say, all right, God is doing something new in our culture. And I think that is amazing. Also on the WTH this week, why should Christians not only care about President Biden's infrastructure bill, but even more so, why should we be the major supporters of it? Let me tell you why. Because God loves us to think generationally. We see how God looks at us in the Bible in people groups, and he judges how we take care of the poor, have hospitality for the foreigner, and care for the widow in our generation, and then how we care for future generations. The Old Testament talks about the sins of the fathers being visited on the children to the third and fourth generation. And in the story of King Hezekiah, we hear this story of a king that is going to be punished for his sin, prays that the prophet will come and help him. Isaiah does, and he's told that he's going to keep living. And then he commits the sin of like showing off all his stuff to the Babylonians. And so Isaiah comes back and says, hey, you know that sin you committed, king? The, the payment for that is going to happen upon your children. And King Hezekiah, instead of saying, no, no, protect my children. Let that sin be visited on this generation so that my kids can be protected. He says, no, nah, oh, I'm not going to have to pay for the sin. Awesome. This is good, he said, and, and had a party and celebrated the fact that his sin was going to be visited on his children. And I believe that this infrastructure bill that President Biden is putting out, and we can argue about the cost of it, but I believe this is the boomer generation, the Christian boomer generation, your last chance to really say, we want to sacrifice in this generation so that our sins won't be visited on our kids. Almost no major infrastructure project has taken place while the boomer generation has been the dominant generation in American culture. The deficit has raised uh, exponentially over the boomer generation who says, we want our social security taken care of. We want to make sure the military is protecting us. It is a self-protective generation. And in fact, what did the Bible say about King Hezekiah? Uh, Isaiah said to Hezekiah, some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood that would be born to you will be taken away and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. And instead of Hezekiah saying, no, don't let that happen. Let's, let's pay the penalty in our generation to save our kids. Hezekiah said, the word of the Lord you have spoken is good for he thought, Will there not be peace and security in my lifetime? Isn't that the story of the boomer Christian generation? We want peace and security in our lifetime. And if our kids have to pay the price for our deficits, for our lack of renovation of infrastructure, for our lack of caring for the rest of the world, and even for our lack of caring about climate change, yeah, what do we care? We'll be dead. Our sins will be visited on future generations. Yes, boomers, I know what you're saying right now. Like, why take care of my grandchildren? Why do I have to take care of everybody else's? Because 
God looks at the world in people groups and says, how is your justice for the poor and the fatherless and the widow and the foreigner and judges based on that? When Jesus was on earth, he said, oh, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets. That doesn't mean every person that lived in Jerusalem killed the prophets. That meant they all were responsible for the corporate heart of the city. Jesus said, oh, woe to you, Capernaum. Sodom will have a better judgment day than you. He said, this religious city of Capernaum, you group of people, the spirit that you've cultivated, your corporate heart, your corporate mindset is so bad. You think Sodom is terrible for the sins of, their, of theirs in the Old Testament. Their judgment day is going to be better than yours. And what would he be saying to a boomer generation that says, no, we want peace and security, financial security in our time. And so we're willing to run up major debts while building no infrastructure for our children, even though previous generations handed to us no deficit and major infrastructure projects. I believe the boomer Christians should be the most supportive of major infrastructure in this generation today. In my state of California, we have a high-speed rail project, and the major opponents of that are the older conservative people. Instead of saying, yes, let's, let's suffer some financial cost in this generation so our kids can have a major travel infrastructure project that will help them down the line, the boomers are saying, no, we don't want any cost to come into this generation. We want what's ours, peace and security, to be ours. And if this is making you mad as a boomer for me to be talking about this or an evangelical conservative, check your heart and say, why is that very hard for me to take in? And one more thing before I get to our great guest today, an amazing Saturday Night Live sketch. We started this segment off with QAnon. We end with QAnon. QAnon is a conspiracy theory built around the idea of pedophilia. And when pedophilia pre presents itself, but not from a Democrat, but maybe from somebody else, here's how QAnon responds. If I could get back to Matt Gates for a minute. <laughs> Here's the crazy my money. And if I could get back to Matt Gates for a minute. <laughs> Here's the craziest part of this story to me. A sitting congressman is being accused of child trafficking and the QAnon people are suddenly like, "Nah, I need more evidence." <laughs> that was your whole thing. I mean, come on, think about it. Matt Gates's girlfriend, she was allegedly 17. The 17th letter is Q. It all adds up. <laughs> what what are you waiting for? The storm is finally here, and QAnon is like, you can't believe everything you read on the internet. All right, <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I know my conservative friends are going to be angry at me now, but again, if that piques your heart, ask why. Ask heaven, why is this hurting me? Is there something in me that needs to be examined? Barrett Carroll Curtis is an actor, he's a comedian, he's a, a thought leader, and he's an amazing young man who I met through TikTok and have grown to like a great deal. You talk about a deconstruction journey of faith. This is a young man that came out of a cult led by his family, had to leave home at a very young age and not only reconstruct his faith, but reconstruct his life, and he's come through it amazingly well. You're going to love hearing his story on our podcast today. So don't miss it as we talk to Barrett Carol Curtis, one of my favorite TikTokers here 
on the Nonpartisan Evangelical and my website, pastor-paul.com. For those willing to listen, learn, and have eyes to see and ears to hear, this is the Nonpartisan Evangelical, where we're challenging the mindset of right-wing Christianity and encouraging people to have their minds renewed and hearts transformed. Let's have better conversations about the life modeled in the Bible so we can truly tell the world God is not mad at you. This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Paul Swearingen here. Glad you're with us on the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. We've got a great guest today. We're going to have more unique conversations about the church and about God. So I'm glad you're with us. And got some changes coming up in the near future with all this. So stick with me. I hope you're in my, my private group. If you want to be a part of supporting financially the message that we share here, you can do that through our Patreon group. And I just posted the most recent audiobook segment of my novel, Joseph Comes to Town. And you can catch that by joining on Patreon. So if you go to pastor-paul.com, it'll take you to the podcast site. Click the Patreon button in the upper right-hand corner. You get that for just $5.99 a month, and you get to help us spread the message. And of course, you can give more if you want. And by the way, it's not tax deductible. My company is for-profit because I want to pay taxes. I know it's crazy, but I want to pay taxes. I like schools and roads and fire departments and airports. And so I'm glad to pay my tax money in there. Don't get me wrong. I pay an accountant to make sure I pay as little as I have to <laughs> legally. But what I pay, I pay gladly, and I'm glad to do it. So go to pastor-paul.com, join us on the Patreon page there, and uh, get access to a bunch of really cool stuff. So having done that commercial, let me introduce my guest. It's Barrett Carroll Curtis who is one of the, the coolest TikTok guys. We get a lot of TikTok guys on here now. And uh, this guy's one of my favorites. He's a content creator and an actor and has an amazing story of journey of in the church, reconstruction, deconstruction, all of those things. Barrett, glad you're with us today on the podcast. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me, man. I Same to you. I've watch your content for a while as well. And I've really resonated with with your message. And it's something that anyone who I, I find to be like-minded in, in any way, I like to support people who challenge my ideas as well. But <laughs> anyone who is is like-minded, I'm, it's it's good. And so I, I find a lot of your stuff, we agree I, we agree on a lot. That's good. I, I like that. And, I, and you challenge me too. And, and so talk about the mission. Like, how did you start doing the creations that you're doing on TikTok and, and what is your viewpoint that you're coming from? For sure. So we'll just briefly to break it down. I grew up in what, what I call an evangelical cult. It was my father had multiple relationships and we hopped around from church to church, but it was really he had a following of his own. And I grew up studying the Bible. I was reading the Bible every single day as a kid. And that was a requirement of the household. That was a requirement, yeah. Okay. And it was a, a very strict and very religious, very anti, no sex before marriage. I was meeting, we tried to have a prearranged marriage when I was 10. I met a girl that I was supposedly going to marry in the future and just a, a lot of weird things like that. But more on that later. My main point is that it took me a long time to come out of that. And I moved out and, and got completely away at the age of 16. And I was started working in the entertainment industry, which was like a polar opposite world from my religious upbringing. 
And, but I was still fighting with my faith. I wanted to reject a lot of those concepts, a lot of those ideas. And the reason being is that from a very young age, something that I would say within my spirit felt wrong. Mm. And although that was all that I ever knew, something, what, what I call God, felt very different from the version of God that I was being taught and that was being pushed upon me as a child. And it, if I had not have had those sort of, you know, supernatural, some supernatural type experiences and peace in the midst of horrendous trials in my life and abuse and suffering, I don't know that I don't know that my life would be the same, but I truly, I actually just, I told this to you the other day when we were talking briefly, but I always feel like I had this rope tied around me and I was like being pulled through the woods and I was getting hit by trees and scraped in the, but I always knew that this rope was tied around me and I wanted to reject God. I wanted to reject mm. my faith. And for periods of time I did. However, I continued trying to go to churches and stuff, but I found that although not as extreme, a lot of those churches tended to have some of the same issues that I saw growing up that I just did not agree with. People getting kicked out of churches for being gay or people, various things like that. Super, like you can only be Republican, you can only be a Republican Christian. And just for context for everyone, I also grew up in Oklahoma, which is the Bible Belt. It is the Bible Belt of right. America. And so it was funny because the people that I consider normal growing up that I thought would be like the saviors of my life for the people I could admire and look up to. And I kept close relationships with them, but I kept stepping further and further away from the church. And it made me depressed in a lot of ways because I knew this internal experience that I had, yet I couldn't find anything in the real world that felt like it related to that experience wow. internally. And so I just went on a deep dive myself. And although I already had a lot of knowledge about the Bible and the stories within it and passages memorized and stuff, it was all from a very specific lens that I was looking at it. And so I was like, if the truth is out there, then I want to do my best to find that. And then 2016 happened. And <laughs> what happened in 2016? <laughs> I can hardly uh, remember now. And Trump was elected. And, not, and that's not, e not to turn this conversation even political, but to see the overwhelming, not only the support of him, but the expected support of him and really turning a blind eye. A lot of evangelicals and a lot of people, even here in LA, when I started going to church out here, people that were Trump supporters and stuff like that, it made me begin to question things. Not that People can't be Christian Trump supporters, right. but that being pushed as a narrative of, of being the option, the only option really didn't sit well with me. And especially <laughs> my, so to give a little more context, just briefly, my father not only was a cult leader, but he worked with senators in Oklahoma and he wrote legislation for them that they passed off as their own in which... He believed that he was sent here by God to stop the enrollment process of the Mark of the Beast. And so I grew up trying on gas masks when I was like 
six years old freaking out about Y2K, things like that. Hey, if I can, let me interrupt this conversation with Barrett for just a moment. Do you know why things irritate us sometimes? Why we have a hard time getting over the hump with some people? Why there's there's always those things where we say, well, that's just me. Maybe my dad was like that and I do the same. It's because we haven't fought through to our complete emotional well-being. Are you afraid of conflict? Are you afraid of brave communications? That may be an indicator that there are hurdles in your life that can be worked through to a powerful core that tells you I can be okay in all circumstances. And that's what I do when I coach with my core leaders network. And I have a new cohort starting right away that I want you to join. Maybe you've been saying, I'm going into kind of a transitional season in my life. What is my vision for the future? Let me coach you to that vision. I have an amazing ability to listen, to ask questions, and an amazing online curriculum to say, how do we start to work on your identity and mindset so that you can have a vision that takes you to a place where you can impact the world. Pastor Paul's coaching has helped more. Sometimes I say I've helped way more people in just a couple of years of coaching than I did in more than 10 years as a senior leader of a church and 25 years of leading in a church altogether. Why? Because people that say, I'm now willing to invest in my transformation become transformed people who then transform the world. Do you want to impact the world for God, for heaven, for good? Let me coach you in that. I promise you I'm pretty good at it. Go to my website, pastor-paul.com. Send me a message and say, I want to know more about your coaching, Pastor Paul. If you're ever on TikTok, click the link in my bio. It'll take you to my coaching website. But I want to sit down. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. We do it in cohorts with other amazing people just like you. It's 15 weeks. The price is reasonable. Let me coach you. Pastor-Paul.com. Go to that contact events page. Send me a message and say, tell me about Pastor Paul's coaching. And let's get started at building you to be the best you can be. How are you finding your core? Because your core well-being will transform you to become a transformational person for the world around you, for your family, your professional environment, and yes, the entire world. Let's coach together. Pastor-Paul.com. Send me a message and say, tell me about that coaching. Now, back to my friend Barrett on the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at pastor-paul.com. And so I knew a lot about conspiracy theories, and especially when I started to see this, the QAnon stuff, mm. it was, and, and something, and it's a lot better now, but I've been diagnosed with complex PTSD and I've had, I have a lot of night terrors and stuff like that. It's not near as bad as it used to be. And I'm 28 now. And for several years in my early twenties, it was really bad coming out of my childhood and the QAnon stuff and all that really immediately was like the trigger. Uh, yeah. These red flags of, okay, what is this? And so not only did I have the, the biblical side of things, the religious texts and trying to figure that stuff out. But then you had this whole cultural thing happening. And I was like, okay, what is the, the truth here? And so even those things, I deep dove into those conspiracies because I was like, I have to know 
the ultimate truth. I didn't believe those things necessarily, but I was like, I need to validate that these things. And even I spoke out against a lot of the things Trump did his entire presidency, but even up until a couple months before the election, something within me was like, I I knew that I was not going to support him, but I was like, what if I'm wrong? It was always this fear. Mm. What if I'm wrong? Because all of the people that I thought shared a belief system with me were saying something else. You had all these people who were prophesying about him. I remember someone who I admired greatly on Facebook, even back in 2016, I remember when he posted that he thought Trump was a prophet of God. And I was like, I was like, what? Excuse me? And it has been, you didn't even see this kind of evangelical support for Bush or they obsessed over Reagan. And I wasn't alive then, but I love history. And even then it wasn't even, this is a whole nother, this is is a whole nother level of, (laughs) of wild. So yeah, that was pretty much it. I had to dive into that. And I even found myself going on the dark web and trying, I researched and I found these things that these people were talking about to see if there was any truth within it. So you're an an explorer for the rest of us to go out there and check some things out and, and, and bring back that assessment from a biblical perspective. I absolutely believe that the truth will set you free. And, and so I believe that we all should be in a constant pursuit of the truth. And we can't, you can't just say that and not practice it. And so, yeah, I, and I found more and more, and I honestly, I prayed about it too. I said, look, I I cast my vote, but I was like, if for some reason I'm wrong this time and Donald Trump, for whatever reason, wins this election, then I'll take that as a sign that I need to re-examine some things because I really, it was tough. It was tough to quit. I knew what was wrong internally, but like I said, you, you saw this entire culture, this entire people who you thought shared a faith with you in a belief system in complete conflict with, with the teachings of Jesus himself. Do do you have an assessment as to why? And again, people can be where they want to be politically, but to the thing that drives me crazy is defending everything he does and, and then calling him Cyrus or, and just the abject worship. I would say there's some worship of him that he can do no wrong. That's the stuff that gets me. If somebody says, I can't stand the guy, but I can't stand the politics or somebody, certainly I could understand why people would say, and I I can't vote for Hillary Clinton, but just to defend everything he does, that's where it seems to me like we're off. Something is wrong in the mix. For sure. And this is what I tell people, especially growing up the way I did and it being such a constricted mindset and truly being brainwashed and having a narcissistic father that's something that is very common it genuinely and this is going to offend people but this is what i say all the time it really it truly is a a cult it is a nationwide cult and mm-hmm. i don't mean the people that are define cult in that well okay yeah i don't mean anyone who voted for trump I don't mean that. I understand people who didn't like Hillary Clinton or even I'm like, okay, I have a little less sympathy for four years (laughs) later and you still support him. But if you can, if you can give me at least five things that you don't like about him, then I'm like, okay. But if you believe that this man is, you you can find no wrong with him, then I'm like, okay. Especially with the QAnon stuff that 
believing that God put him in office and he's taking down this. And mind you, while they completely ignore his own sexual abuse allegations and child abuse allegations, and the list goes on and on. And so the hypocrisy among that group of people is astronomical. And I, I just find it to be a very certain I'm not going to include all Republicans because it's not all Republicans. I don't have a problem with Republicans and it's not even Trump supporters. I know a lot of people that voted for Trump the first time and then didn't this election. It's the people that do not believe that he can do any wrong. Any person I support, I will more than happily tell you at least five things that I don't like about them. Yeah. And because that's critical thinking. But if you acknowledge, if you recognize that someone's critical thinking is turned off, that's a really good first step toward a goal. Yeah, I just did a video against drone strikes the other day because I I was looking for what's my first opportunity to say Mm. a little critique of Joe Biden, even Mm -hmm. though I very happily voted for Joe Biden. And I, Mm -hmm. I had somebody the other day send me an article of people that are sorry, they voted for Joe Biden. And he's like, are you seeing this a lot? And I'm like, no, I I don't know a single Joe Biden voter who's upset yet. But I did want to say I'm I'm against drone strikes and I'm against presidents waging war without congressional approval. And And so I wanted to make sure to stand up and say, I voted for the guy. I'm happy I voted for the guy, but I still disagree with this. Absolutely. And, you know, and on the flip side of that, there are things that I believe that Trump did well, and I have expressed those things, but that doesn't disqualify all the horrendous things that he's done. (laughs) The hard Um, part was whenever you like said, oh, he did that, then he would come out and say in the most grotesque way that I'm the greatest president ever because of of this. And then you'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, I complimented. I've been, my father was very, and he was an undiagnosed, he was a complete narcissist. And he truly he believed even the family system as a kid, he told me that he was the king and we were like the peasants that lived in the town. Mm -hmm. And so that's something else that I have studied my whole life to try and understand is people who are narcissists. And although I'm not a mental health expert, there are mental health experts around the world who have said the same thing about Donald Trump. Yeah, And that's just one part of this equation where people are being manipulated manipulated by his ego. And I think the gift of that for us in this season, if I can call it that, is where things are being revealed. And for us being evangelicals, it can be in other parts of our culture too. But just looking at, as you said, a cult of a church and maybe a nationwide or worldwide evangelical cult, how can this happen where mm-hmm. a huge group of people are under the influence of a mindset or something. That's kind of what I'm trying to figure out of this now is how did we get to this place where a huge swath of our population of people who are supposed to be followers of Jesus are so taken in by this man and this mindset? Well, that's that's a great question. And at first I asked that question as well. And then here is, and you're, you can totally disagree, but here's what I have found to be true is that it has it's been pretty much always the case since you have you after jesus died you have the first three about the first 300 years of and i don't know if i said this but not only did i read the bible but 
and yes, I'm an actor, but I don't think there's a day that goes by that I'm not like re- reading like scholarly data about. I just <laughs> I've always had an obsession with learning about religious um, teachings. That being said, it was about the first 300 years that I believe were like the real Christian church. And then you had Catholicism, which was essentially run by the government. And I mean, it was. And this turned into an entire new thing. And not to offend Catholics, but a lot of Catholics will say, oh, Catholicism is the are the first Christians, but that's just, that's not the truth. And Catholicism was something that was developed on the foundation of these beliefs and then put into a society that was a pagan society. Even some of the statues and things like that were pagan gods that they just changed over to be the saints and to be Mary and to be... To, and our to, holidays. Exactly. Our our holidays. Even Sunday being the, the day of rest, it was right. because it was the worship of a sun god. It was That was the, the day of the sun. And so there's a lot of things like that. And then there, because of that culture and people in power and people that have, and not all those people were bad, but there were certainly people who used it and abused it throughout time. And then you have the Reformation and you have people separating from the Catholic Church and coming out. And so fast forward, you have these people that came to America. And although they wanted freedom of religion, they from the Catholic Church, they did their own thing. You look at the Salem witch trials, and these human natures tend to just repeat, even if we think that we're doing something entirely differently. It's right. human nature is human nature. <laughs> and we've done this, and people use, especially here in America, over in Europe, it, there were their own issues, especially with Catholicism and then, and obviously racism and slavery and stuff as well. But in America, from the very beginning, we were developing a culture that used not only was it was just in conflict with itself. You were saying we are, we came here to have freedom of religion and to do practice what we want and to worship God how we want. Yet we also are building this country on the backs of slaves and using the Bible to try and justify that. And that is so what I have found, because at first I searched, I was like, ah, because I do think that there are Christians that have good intentions. Certainly. Um, but I have looked and um, been like, okay, where did this start? When did this pr- bad process start? And you just keep going backwards and you're like, <laughs> oh, Frederick Douglass, you can read some of Frederick Douglass's work. And he, he, he says it very well. And he talks a lot in his writings about how the, you you can't call this nation a christian nation because the leaders of the of this christian nation were building this nation on the backs of slaves yeah and and justifying all kinds of abuse yeah i like looking at the the story of the in 1957 when little rock central high school was forcibly integrated by the national guard women in the town held prayer vigils every day on the steps of the school, praying to God that this evil of desegregation would be stopped, that God would intervene on behalf of the white people. And yeah, it's woven in our it history. Is. And, and even though, like you say, there would be a lot of people that I'm not racist, and we could probably have some individual proof of that. 
but we're still responsible for the spirit of it all. And we're all influenced a little bit by the spirit. For sure. And that's why this is a whole different subject, but that's why people can't get offended by the term of systemic racism. Right. Because they just simply don't understand. If, or if, white supremacy. Yes. Yes. It's an undeniable, it's an undeniable thing. It's so you don't, you just have to, to study history that just to recognize that there has been, now we can debate how, how that plays out in today's society, but the reality is that there is no denying that we have had systems that have trickled down in today's culture. And that, that is true even within the church and also a lack of understanding. So there was also this big movement with specifically evangelicals. And I think another big shift took place with TV, TV pastors. You had these TV pastors and then you had these big name churches like back in Oklahoma, you have some big name Bible schools that I won't mention in the <laughs> podcast, um, but, and, and a lot of other States as well, but some, yeah. a lot of people go to those schools. And the thing is, they aren't studying biblical texts from a, if you go to a pastor of a regular church and then you go to a rabbi, they are going to have totally different interpretations of, of things in the Old Testament. Right. And, the, and the reason being is because they've gone to these schools and it wasn't about learning the history behind all of these things it was about a it was about the culture it was not all schools obviously but a lot of these pastoral colleges people that were being set up to be pastors a lot of the teaching is to be an american pastor which is very different from understanding biblical text and it's they might know things here and there, but it's all seen from the lens of Christ American Christianity. Yeah, and what I, I I love your viewpoint on this. I love for one that you uh, have gone through this process and have come back to. I still want to be a part of this faith. I still want to have this faith and, and you still love the Bible. And, and so I want to show one of your TikToks real quick, sure. because I think it's brilliant. And you're setting the record straight on, on the Bible a little bit now for some <laughs> of my friends, this will be a little tough because there is an F bomb in there, but <laughs> go read my blog on curse words and you'll find out it's okay. But this for is, sure. this is Barrett's TikTok. Come on, share. Zoom. There we go. On a story from the Old Testament. So, so listen to this. Welcome to Fucked Up Things in the Bible, Part Four. This one did me in. I gotta say, in the Book of Judges, Chapter Fifteen. Samson goes to see his wife, and he tries to go in her bedroom, and her father stops him, and he's like, "Yo, dude, I thought you hated her for some reason, so I just gave her to your good buddy to do what he wants with her." Now wait, that's not the fucked up part. So this makes Samson mad, obviously. So he goes out and he finds 300 foxes. Yeah, not one, or three, or even 10. 300. For some reason, that was the magic number. Where he found 300 foxes, I'm not entirely sure, but he did. Then he took them, all 300 of them, and he tied them up to each other by the tails. And then he set their tails on fire making them run through the Philistines' lands, burning all their crops. Then the Philistines learned that he did this because his wife slept with his friend, so they take it out on her, and they burn her too. Welcome to <laughs> Fucked Up Things. <laughs> 
so that's an effed up story i'll agree yeah yeah it's funny so let me address two <laughs> things really just briefly but i haven't read your blog but i'm i'm excited to read it but my opinion of i used to try and not cuss if it was around people that i thought it offended but the reality is that we put meaning on words like right. so many words change meaning over time it's the same thing people who freak out i've seen christians freak out about people who you know wear you know men who wear a woman's clothes or vice versa people are freaking out about that and aside from the conversation about sexuality just that alone i'm like you go back a couple hundred years it was the dudes that were wearing wigs and makeup and high heels. The culture changes things. People get, they get funky. They want to express themselves. They want to change things. And it's the same thing with words. And it's only offensive because we have been told that it's offensive. We have been, we, these terms have been projected onto us. And so the reason I started saying it more freely was to push that button a little bit to, right. to make people... Because I didn't really, I cussed some around my friends, but like I said, I tried to not do it if I thought it would offend someone. But now I don't care as much because I'm, I realize that's more on the, you're the one choosing to be offended. That's one side of things. And, and, um, and, I'm, and I'm really honest in the blog too. It's fun. And it, it's particularly, I love to use it when I'm being attacked for, on social media by somebody that I would call a Pharisee. And I, I just love to say, hey, you're an asshole. And then watch them go, oh, you're a pastor. And you use words like that. I just, I think it's yeah. fun. And I, I think it is, I think Jesus used offensive language to push buttons, to get people to, to test their heart. And so I, I think you're doing the same with a story like that. I appreciate that. That's not most people. That's not most Christians. That's <laughs> not most pastors' opinions of me. So, so, so there are these effed up stories in the Old Testament, you know, well, and there are, yeah, absolutely. And what, so what does that do? What are you trying to show us by pointing that out? That's a great question. That's a great question. I appreciate you asking that. So the main thing is, and just to be clear, I think that the Bible is filled with beautiful texts as well. And yeah. I think the Bible, and I've spoken on those things as well. I think it's filled with beautiful life messages and things that we can learn from. And, but the point is so many people believe that the entire Bible is this, is the perfect word of God in the sense that there not only translations are perfect, not, but that there is perfection in everything that they are. This is how we're supposed to live our life. And a lot of people don't even know some of these stories of not a lot of sermons on that one. Is there? There's not a lot of sermons on that or the, the, the child, child abuse or the, the multiple wives, the concubines, the abuse. One of my favorite fucked up stories. I don't know if I can say fucked up on this podcast. Yeah, you sure can. Yeah. Okay, sweet. One of my favorite, we probably lost some people, but that's okay. One of my favorite fucked up stories in the Bible is the one where, um, and I did a TikTok about this too, but when the concubine leaves and goes back to her parents' home and then her owner goes after her and the father's, yeah, come on in and just welcomes him into the home. And then when they leave, he shot. Well, firstly, he sends her out to these men that come to the home to be abused. 
Yeah. And then afterwards, it literally says in the Bible that she is laying on the doorstep in the morning. Like she's not in good, she's not in good condition. You all can do the research, but she, anyway, then he takes her back and he chops her up into a bunch of pieces and just ships her all over the country. What? <laughs> so yeah. my point is, look, there's all kinds of fucked up stories in different religions and ancient cultures. There's horrible things that people have done all throughout it, but take it for what it is. Don't say that this is, these are individual texts that were written for specific people in a specific time period for specific reasons or not. Maybe some things weren't, we don't know. But at the very least, even if you want to believe that this is the perfect word of God, at least do uh, I hate seeing do your do the research because that feels yeah like, that one comes around a lot uh, yeah and I feel like a lot of far right people say that by research they mean go on this but my point is that you can find the scholars have done the research for you that's the thing is the people that are the experts over yeah. these, these texts who have dedicated their lives and their careers they've really already done the research for you and so e even if you don't have the full context yet you understand that. There's a lot we don't know. And that's the main point is yeah. there's a lot we don't know. And to always question your belief systems and not take yourself so seriously. Yeah. Like you can't say on one side, oh, we want this to be a godly nation. And so we're anti-gay marriage and anti this and anti that. And why? And, and you're, you say, oh, because the Bible says this and not to mention we're not even getting into all the various translations right with those texts but yeah but you're also that same bible you're reading talks about this guy chopping up his concubine his underage concubine and, and, and would you believe that was okay today exactly and so that's the thing is it's although i do it in a lighthearted, funny way it's really just to challenge people's belief systems and to get people thinking on their own i don't want anyone to stop their faith and by any and that's why i make the opposite side of things as well but that's not my intention at all my my intention is for people to not just go to church on sunday and listen to their pastor and what their pastor is telling them my goal is to i've never heard that before let me look that up and maybe that is something that that you can bounce off to something else and to something else and to something else because i believe that our faith is ever evolving. And I yeah. believe that the truth is out there somewhere and we are all still seeking that truth and we are all still learning that truth. And so anytime we accept that this is the truth, oh, it's why. You can never ask yourself the question why enough in life. Yeah, and, and I think, and, and what we see happening a lot and particularly now in the internet age, I think young people are leaving their church backgrounds as they grow up, go off to college, and all of a sudden they start asking those questions. Why yeah. is this fucked up story in the Bible? And and I know that word's hard for people, so I'm sorry for those of you that is, but just <laughs> come along with us. And let's be honest about what it is, just like you say. And for me, what's really important about it is I think Jesus, the story of Jesus shows us the character of the creator of this whole thing. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen something in my life, that's who God is. And so when I see that story of Samson or 
the the one it for me that always got me is you're reading along and here's Moses and he's coming back to Egypt after being in the desert for 40 years and all of a sudden it says and God decided he was going to kill Moses just out of the blue I know God's I know. going to kill Moses and Moses' wife circumcises him and her boys and God decides not to kill him and so we we see that and we say, oh, is that who God is? And do I want to be in relationship with a God that's just going to wake up one day and decide to kill me because my penis is cut or not to be crass about it? And we have to be able to say, no, this was an ancient text written by an ancient people with a particular purpose in mind, but that's not actually who the creator of the universe is. That's not his character. So I don't have to be afraid to be in relationship for sure and i i think that we also i i had a, i started a youtube series a while back called faith the facts and i'm i literally started from genesis one i think i'm on episode five now and i just go chapter by chapter and i break down all of that stuff like in the and trying to not be too serious but i, I try and do it in the <laughs> most fun way that i can but we're talking about like the translations of individual words and where these came from and if these texts were who these authors may have actually been yeah but there's a lot of assumptions about all authors that's a whole nother subject but there's a lot of assumptions about authors that have been passed down just saying it's a cultural like we have just said oh this is who like Genesis, for example, I always thought Moses wrote Genesis. That's not what most scholars think. And they think that there was a lot of different authors of Genesis. And it's a lot of Genesis itself is a lot of different stories and books and stuff smashed together. And but that's its own separate. That's its own separate thing. My main thing is I want to inspire other people to seek the truth for themselves. Yeah. And and not lose faith within that. I think yeah. that's something because there are people, there are a lot of atheists that perhaps were once had faith and they've learned a lot of these things and then they criticize it and they break it apart and they all of that. And a lot of those people are still are great people. That's not my point. But my point is for me, I don't have all of the answers and I will never pretend like I have all of the answers but I do still have faith in something that is bigger than myself. And yeah. I do still try and live my life according to the teachings of Jesus, because I believe that there has, that is something that has been a constant in my life that has never led me astray. Those words to love your neighbor as yourself and to, you know, though all of Jesus's teachings are something that is, has really encompassed my life and and been a foundation for my life and those things are not harmful and right. i don't see them as harmful in any way i see them as helpful and so i just want people to continue to educate themselves seek the truth and see what their experiences their feelings their relationship with god or lack thereof and try and develop that in a new way which is is based in the the most truthful way that we possibly can. Yeah. And, and I think we're doing a disservice to not be honest about those things in the Bible and for sure. I wish I had a dime for everybody who commented on my page that says the Bible clearly says and then they say something that the Bible does not necessarily say. And even just to be able to say that is arguable. I, I use that term a lot with people. I said actually that's arguable. You may have a point 
but I don't believe the way you do, but you're not out of the realm of possibility because some of this stuff is arguable because we don't, we are translating from ancient languages. Well, for sure. Even the teachings of Jesus, like I said, I don't find any of it to be harmful. And that's one of the reasons that I've found that to be very beneficial in my life. And I think that it does make the world a better place. And there are, you have the writings of Josephus and you have the, you have other things that kind of correlate with it. You have the Gnostic gospels and you have other things that correlate with it. However, some of the Gnostic gospels have conflict with the way that we interpret things. And there have been things even in the, so we're talking about the new, the old Testament, which is based on the, the Torah and then additional book. And then it, that's way before, that's bef- way before the time of Jesus. And then right. we have the time of Jesus. And then even after the time of Jesus, there's still debate on all kinds of things regarding the new Testament about what was included. Why was it included? There were vigorous debates of which books should be in and which Absolutely. should not. How do we know they got it? And my, one of my opinions is people say, Oh, it's a perfect, everything's the perfect word of God and all that stuff. I understand that perspective. However, what are you going to say about the, those first 300 years of yeah. after Jesus died? Do those Christians not count because they didn't have a, they didn't have a Bible. They didn't have that, but that was something that was later on put together by, by men. Right. And yeah, I hear that one a lot. That's uh, a scripture. All scripture is God breathed. What scripture was Paul talking about? You know, did, Exactly. What existed at the time that he exactly. was talking? What was Paul considering scripture? That's a whole nother, <laughs> that's a whole nother conversation. And that's a great point because people don't look at it like that. And it's also funny that people, the evangelicals that will criticize Catholicism while also saying that the Bible is the word of God. And I'm like, well, you wouldn't have the Bible if not for Catholicism. Yeah. Thank, so. thank goodness for that. I'm about out of time, which I'm, yeah. we're going to have to have you back because we have a ton more to talk about, but I did want to talk about, and we were talking beforehand and neither of us know the whole details of this, but we did, as we're recording this, we did recently have the shooting in Atlanta in the spas, six Asian women killed by a young man who grew up in a Baptist church who actually apparently played percussion on worship teams. And to me, and I just did a TikTok about this today as on our recording day here, that I feel like we have a little bit of a skewed view of sexuality that we took Puritanism out of, we extracted Puritanism as God being, God's holiness being, we never have sex until that night we're married, and then we're supposed to have a ton of it, and the woman submit to the man. It, it's a really freaky view. And and of course, we had the Grammys with Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion doing some writhing on the stage that got us all scared. And it just seems as you were talking about, maybe even the term cult, we've put some things on our young people. That includes me coming up through it all of about sexuality and, and just about being human that I think creates atmospheres. And again, I'm, I'm not saying this is a direct this to that about this shooting, but it, this was my impression of, yep, this is the atmosphere we create for our, our kids where there's so much shame revolving around sexuality, particularly on girls. And so how was that experienced by you and how did that impact your experience of Christianity growing up and, and through your reconstruction of faith? For sure. One thing for me was I definitely was not allowed to have sex and I didn't have any type of sex education growing up. And that led to some problems in my (laughs) older life. And one of the reasons being that I was 
I, I went really wild sexually in a lot of ways. And I'm not the only one. And a lot of people have done that. And even some of our cultural things that we consider ultra sexualized. There's two ways to look at that. Some people look at it as empowerment, but the other side of things is, is why do people feel a need to do that? And a lot of times it's, they want to rebel against restrictions. They want to rebel against- The wide people. swing to the other side. Yes. They want to rebel against people telling them that they can't be a certain way and they can't do a certain thing. And that was the same case for me sleeping around. And a lot of people have experiences like that. And but on the other side, I I have friends that that waited to have sex till they were married and had really traumatic experiences. There's a lot of of things like that are an issue on the other side of that conversation as well. And I think that most of the time, if you are not educated, so many uh, Christians in America, especially at least the way I grew up, were very against sex education in school. They were like, that that's the parent's job. But the reality is that a lot of parents don't do that job. You can't, you can't be culturally against Planned Parenthood when Planned Parenthood's the only place, and not to promote Planned Parenthood, but when Planned Parenthood's the place that's giving people condoms and stuff to the kids that don't know anything about sex. They're the ones who are treating the STDs for people like I got an STD when I and I didn't even when I was younger and I didn't even understand. I didn't even know what I was doing. I just I literally was just as I was free in the world. I had an idea of what sex was. I knew that it was something to be feel shameful about. But it also skewed a lot of things in my own mind. And I have struggled a lot. It's been easy for me to hook up mm. um, in the past, but it has been hard for me to have uh, true intimacy in relationships. And one of the reasons being is that one of the reasons being is that it, there was such guilt yeah. ingrained into me that it felt like, okay, if I just do it once, then I can move on with my life. And I'm like, oh, that was just, and I can say, oh, I'm sorry, God. And I move on with my life. And then that's a, but sexuality is a part of human nature as well. Yeah. And we can't just push that in the corner and ignore it and pretend like it doesn't exist. We're sexual creatures by nature. You don't have to be taught to be interested in sex. So for we sure. need to teach young people how to handle it and for sure, for sure. give them a space to speak about it and talk about it. And you talk about, this is a touchy subject for sure, but you talk about things like rape culture and stuff. And a lot of that blame is put on women. And uh, the reality is it doesn't, it does, there's, there is no worse excuse for behavior than saying this person dressed provocatively or things yeah. that is the worst, the worst. I'm like, any man, any boy, any human is responsible for their own actions. And, and there is no definition of provocative. There are still cultures in other countries today where women walk around and they don't wear shirts not and it's not sexualized it's just the way things are it's like the words it, it, the breasts aren't necessarily sexual in absolutely. those cultures we've made them sexual absolutely and with everything else that we've talked about along with the conversation of sexuality and stuff the main thing is just to get a wider world view and i challenge anyone listening to just take a little sip of humility and no matter where you are um, in your life, just take a little sip of humility and ask, how could I look at something from a different perspective? And if you, instead of just initially debating with someone 
or saying you're wrong, maybe ask them why they feel like that. I think that's the most important conversation regarding race, especially people that don't believe that there is racism in this country and things like that. I'm like, uh, the number one thing I ask people who tell me that they don't believe that racism exists anymore, well, have you sat down with a black person and asked them their experience? I don't think I've, I don't think one time someone has told me, yeah, I've done that. Almost always yeah. the answer is no. Yeah. So I, I, I do want to, and I just have a couple minutes. Left. I normally don't have a hard stop on a podcast, but my yeah. wife needs my computer for an event, uh, an important event she has tonight. So in just a, a very few minutes, so many people are listening to this podcast that are in reconstruction or deconstruction, kind of the words of their faith. What is your advice you give to people who are struggling and saying, okay, the stuff I believed, I don't believe anymore. Where do I land now? What advice do you have for somebody that's in the middle of that? That God can't be put in a box and, and you don't have to be defined by society's standards of what religion or what a relationship with God should be or should look like. And I would really just say, as you continue to seek the truth, don't let the discovery of that truth discourage you or let you forget the light and the good and the other side of things as well. So you hold on to those experiences, those internal feelings, that love and I, I don't know, for me, I like to pray that I pray, God, give me ears to hear, eyes to see, and a mouth to speak the truth. And, and yeah, that would be my advice. That's so. great. It's great advice, Barrett. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing. Where can people find you on social media? You can go to my YouTube channel. It's under Barrett Carol Curtis. Instagram is Barrett Carol Curtis. TikTok is Barrett Carol. Like I said, I have, I've been doing the, the Faith, the Facts YouTube series, and then my TikTok, you'll find all kinds of different stuff on there. Oh, and my website is barrettcarroll.com. Okay. There is a, there's a theme there that I'm catching in all there of it. Is, so, yeah. At Barrett Carroll Curtis on TikTok, I strongly recommend you go check him out. It's great stuff. And I got to have you back. We've got more we've got to talk Absolutely, about. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Very cool. All right. His name's Barrett Carroll Curtis, TikTok creator, content creator, all over social media actor. And we've enjoyed having him with us today. And thanks to all of you for hanging out with us on the Nonpartisan Evangelical and Pastor Paul. We'll talk to you guys again soon.